Hey folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, we have a, um, I think we have a great show today. I mean, some of it depends on you. I know you want to get out of here. We'll do the best we can to get you out of here. But uh, we got the, the great and the one and only Dave Burkett back. He's going to try to defend his, uh, well, defend's the word you use, not me. He's going to try to, he's going to try to explain why he thinks the Lions are going to win seven games. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, the schedule. What, he, what Dave has seen out in Allen Park so far. And then we're going to welcome in Evan Petzold, the uh, fabulous young Tigers writer we have at the Free Press here. Because the Tigers, I think, have won five of seven, which means, Carlos, they've won two in a row. And uh, it's, an, it's, it's unbelievable. What's also unbelievable, and uh, maybe we'll talk about this toward the end of the podcast, is that you wrote a basketball column. Not just a basketball column. You wrote a, an NBA draft column, which is really impressive. Because I know there's no way you've seen one lick of the NBA or college basketball, but you saw, oh, high school player, bad. So I'm going to write that. I think that's great. I think that's smart. Maybe toward the end after Evan, we can get into why you think uh, uh, Troy Weaver should not take the high school kid who was supposed to play Kentucky Shade and Sharp. In any case, let's get to Dave. He's out there on his phone. I don't know if he's getting ready to coach or doing some kid stuff. He is the father of the year. Let's 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 get let's go ahead and bring him in. Is that all right, Carlos? Oh yeah, he he's like a unicorn. We're we're blessed to have him. So he's circling Allen Park right now, looking for scoops, looking for guys driving into the the facility who's limping. He's he's out there doing his his due diligence, Sean, for the people. Okay, well I know you wanted him in here. I mean, we always want him in here uh, every week if he wanted to be, but you specifically wanted him here because he predicted the Lions are going to win seven games, and you want to. What, attack him? Beat him down? Oh, he's not the only one. He's not the only one. You and Dave are wearing, I would say, rose-colored glasses, but they're probably Honolulu blue glasses. So you two have some explaining to do. All right, Dave, come on, man. Tell us us what you think. Why are they going to win seven games? And and shut Carlos up, please. Yeah, first of all, Sean, always good to talk to you. Carlos, I don't know if the same can be said. (laughs) But, um, you know, look, it's... uh, I, I didn't realize seven and 10 was like this great record that needed defending a B uh, before I get into that, you know, it's, it's never good to draft a, a high school guy, uh, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, those things just didn't LeBron work out. James, so yeah. I, yeah, never, uh, never a good thing. Um, look, the lions are, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think they've taken a step forward this year and that's not a major step forward. I mean, you look at, you know, some of the games, I know Carlos likes to play that, well, they should have won this game. So therefore they are, you know, uh, cards sometimes and and you look at some of those games that they were they were in and had a chance to win I mean this was you know maybe this was this was closer to a five or six win team had the feeling of one last year than a than a three win team you know three win you're you're typically one of the the couple worst teams in the league and um you know I just think they're a little bit better with the the continuity that they have and and some of the upgrades they made in the draft I, I don't think they're making the playoffs because I still think you know they have a young roster and they're relying on um, you know, so many of the guys that were part of that that roster last year to, um, you know, maybe take a big step forward. And, and that's not always uh, that doesn't always work out. But, yeah, I think they're they're going to be a better team and, and they have, you know, one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. So you combine those two things together. And um, I don't think seven wins is that far fetched. They're four games better, you think. You think that they've done enough on the offseason with the amazing free agency period that they had and. And, uh, you know, obviously they don't even know who's calling plays right now. They're four games better than they were last year. Well, if you read my observations from camp last week, it sure seems like Ben Johnson. But even if it, you know, that that's a, 
that's a question mark in itself because he's never done it at any level. So I, I acknowledge there are some, you know, some questions about this team and, and um, I look, I'm, I'm not, I, I've seen people, you know, when I, I put my seven and 10 record out there, you know, I got some feedback from, from some of the, the diehards that were like, Oh, you're crazy. This is a nine win <laughs> team. And you know, there, there, there's some people that are, that uh, have, have really uh, had a little bit too much of that Kool-Aid, but you know, I think this look, the bears aren't good. The Vikings are completely mediocre. You know, there's, there's reasons that they can be competitive in the NFC North with those teams. When you play the jets and the giants and the Falcons and the Panthers and the Jaguars and, and all these other bad teams in the league. Yeah. They're saying the same thing, but, but those are the teams that, you know, with the lions in year two of Dan Campbell, um, can take a step forward. Those are teams that they should beat. And so, yeah, I, I do think they're going to uh, take a step forward record wise. And um, Carlos, I, I mean, I, I just, I don't think like seven wins is anything to write home about, but I, I think they're, yeah, I, I, it's easier to go from three and 13 and three, 13 and one to, to seven and 10 than it is to go from seven and 10 to, to 12 and five, you know, so we're talking about a big step, but we're not talking about a major leap to Super Bowl contention here. By the way, Sean, you can, Sean, you can go ahead and say, I I just want you to, if you have a timestamp on your stopwatch there for Dave Burkett's first uh, plug to, for his OTA observations, just go ahead. No, and no, 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 no. As, <laughs> as Dave rightly pointed out, thanks for reading his observations. I think, uh, look, man, I, what Dave just said, he's, he's spitting the truth. And, and this and this is how it is, Carlos. You should know this by now. You've only worked with him for a decade or more than that, probably. I mean, come on, man. You know when you know that the record is generally near his prediction. He's a savant this way in many ways, but in particular this way. Look, let's do something a little bit fun here before we, because uh, I know Dave has somewhat limited time for his, you know, coaching or whatever it is he's doing out there. His his. <laughs> I was I was at just so people know my my son had a reading in his end of school mass today. You know? mm. So I, I went to that to first one. He's uh, a first good grader, Catholic so boy. I, I was trying to be a good dad and yeah, go go watch. That's it great. But let's let's break the schedule so. down here. Let, let, let's we, we can do it in in four parts. I know it's not four. Now, hey, by the way, Sean, you have some splaining to do too. Yeah, I said eight 13, wins. 13 and four. What are no, you talking I, about? No, 13 I, and four. That was my math is correct. That was clearly wasn't. That was clear. Yeah, no, I had to fix that. That was clearly that 17th game through me. That it, it, that was clearly facetious. I think they're going to win eight games. I'm, I'm kind of. Oh, my God. That, which means uh, a losing record. And I'm with Dave. That doesn't mean any. That's, uh, this, is the, this is what's crazy. We're covering a franchise where Dave Burkett says seven wins, and people act like that's that's crazy. Right, that, heresy, that, that, heresy. That, that's how crazy this franchise is. But don't act like. Hey, hey, Sean. To be to be fair, I think Carlos is the only one who's acting like that's crazy. Most people see it and say, "Yeah, it's about yeah, right." Yeah, well, most people remember that it wasn't that long ago that they went nine games, you know, seven games, nine games, whatever. They, they've got a history of doing this. Not that long ago. We're not talking about the '60s. We're not talking about a Super Bowl run. Anyway, let's break this down. Let's let's get this in segments real quick. All right, you guys tell me win or loss and why real quickly as I go through this. Let's start out with the first four. Home versus Philly, home versus Washington, at Minnesota, home versus Seattle. Well, I think, you know, when I did my predictions, I think I had the Lions starting three and one or two and two there. I mean, it's, look, they, you know, the, the Seahawks aren't going to be any good. Which is oh, it? You know, give me one second. Which Let me, it? uh, I, uh, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's pulling I, up his I columns. Uh, to I definitely had him, uh, 
losing the first game. I know that. And I think I had him winning the second, but I think both those games are toss ups and can go either way. I, I had him losing at the Vikings and, and then I believe I had him beating Seattle. So I think I had him two and two to, to start the year. There you go. Two and two. Okay. Carlos, Carlos. Well, I'm going to do the Sean Windsor thing and just BS my whole thing and then just give you a record at the end so I don't have to actually explain it. No, but you, but you don't really know what tongue-in-cheek is and facetious. It's, no. So, so I know that's difficult. So no, I, just, have, I have him losing to Philly. Uh, what was it? Washington. Yeah. Washington. Lose to Minnesota and lose to Seattle. Okay, so one and three. I've got him uh, beating Philly, beating Washington, losing to Minnesota on a last-second field goal, and beating Seattle. So, so... So three and one, because they don't. The Seahawks don't have Russell Wilson. That's why they're going to be. Yeah, no, they don't have Russell Wilson. Not only that, I mean, I, you know, the, these these home games and the way they played it down the stretch last year, they showed a little competitive. So, so I'm assuming there's going to be a little bit of luck, Dave. I'm not talking to you, Carlos, because you don't believe in that in sports. But I'm going to assume there's a little bit of a puck luck, as we would say in hockey. It's sort of, you know, what you... Uh, <laughs> as we would say in hockey. Oh, it's oh, just too good. It, it is sort of, you know, what, what happened one year. You know, it, it, it comes around, right? Like, if, if all the injuries went against you and, and, you know, some of that bad luck went against you one year, then the next year maybe you have a little bit better fortune in, in that regard. I, I don't know. I mean... Um, you know, look, I, I, the NFL is, is built to have some of these close games. And, uh, you know, I, I think um, the Lions are just, you know, some of these teams on their, their schedule, they're, they're, they should be better than, right? Seattle, Carlos, you just mentioned it, no Russell Wilson. Like, that's a, I mean, really, it's going to be Kenneth Walker and Rashad Penny this year. You know, I, I just don't, I don't see Drew Locke doing much. And so if this is a Lions and we look at the talent they have on offense and this young defense, like a home game at Ford Field, that's a game that they should win. And if they don't, you know, that's uh, I, I think that's a, a negative on, on the organization. You know, Quandre's going to have like two or three picks in that game, right? Quandre will be excited about that. I mean, really all these games, right? You think about it, Darius Slay in week one, right? Martin Mayhew week two, week three is an NFC North game. Week four is Quandre and Kenneth Walker. So I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of local ties, uh, I guess, to some of these games. Does does uh, my big question is does Martin Mayhew shake Rodwood's hand at the elevator? <laughs> uh, Martin was oh yeah I guess that was right when uh, when he was <laughs> let go midseason after Rodsford took over. That's a good one. You you'll have to be on stakeout duty that day. Yeah. Okay. For the listener out there in uh, in South Line, the other listener in Rochester, <laughs> that's former general manager Martin Mayhew and current team president Rod Wood, and uh, I guess they're joking about their relationship. All right. Let's let's. Let's move on to the next four. At New England, a bye week, which Carlos will assume the Lions will lose. At Dallas. <laughs> they won't home, win. Home versus Miami at Green Bay. This is probably as tough a four. This is probably their toughest four-game right. stretch. So at New England, at Dallas, home versus Miami, at Green Bay. What y'all got? Yeah, I mean, that's a difficult stretch right there because, and look, it's it's tough to just go, you know, road game you lose, home game you win. That's That's not really how you play it. But, you know, the Patriots are – you know, Carlos's guy, Matt Patricia, I think I wrote, you know, if uh, the, the more Belichick lets Matt Patricia, uh, you know, have involvement in the game plan, the better it is for the Lions. So let's <laughs> let's wait to see how what what Patricia's role is before uh, making a prediction there. But the Cowboys, that's probably uh, after the Packers, maybe the best team on the Lions schedule this year. I think they lose that one and uh, I certainly see them losing to to Green Bay. So one and three, one and three. You know, maybe even 0 4. I mean, Miami's going to be a pretty good team there, too. So I, I could see them, I could see them losing, you know, that all four of those games. Okay, 0 4. So by my math, you've got them at 2 and 
uh, two and six so far. Sounds about right. Okay, Carlos. Yeah, Dave's uh, BFF, Matty P. Gonna he's gonna be calling the plays. They're gonna score forty. Gonna go for two point conversion because he couldn't <laughs> go for three in the last uh, few seconds. Uh, we shouldn't have let him go. All the fans will be ripping their hair out. Uh, yeah, they're gonna lose in New England, of course. Lo- they're gonna get pounded in Dallas, of course. Uh, I think they'll beat the Dolphins uh, at home. Two will probably be hurt. Um, uh, Packers, they'll lose to the Packers. So, and by the way, be, just one little thing before we go on to this whole thing. Let's not forget. Here's the one big thing with the Lions that nobody wants to talk about because everybody assumes perfect health. They're not deep. They do not have depth. They right now with their starters, they're a mediocre, probably below mediocre team with a lot to prove, and they have no depth. And you always get hurt. And you get hurt in key positions. You know, it happens. It's going to happen. That's the problem. The, if you want to talk about puck luck, you have to talk about you hope that the other team is more hurt than your team. Uh, injury luck. Come down. Yeah, yep. injury luck. No, injury luck's huge. No, for sure. Well, for sure. Well, but if yeah. we're being honest, like the it's not like the Patriots have a, a great team. I mean, they, you know, who's going to be calling offensive plays for them, right? Maybe Matt Patricia, who's was a defensive coordinator, or, or uh, you know, I, I just – Joe Judge, who was a special teams coordinator, and and you look at, you know, they took a guy in the first round this year who a lot of teams had graded as a third round guy. So I I think that's a, an issue across the league, right? You take out Kansas City and you take out the Chargers and uh, you know the Packers, I guess, in the NFC. You know the the Bucks will be up there, I guess, is is you know one of the favorites. I mean the Buffalo Bills, right? You take those teams off the uh, the the schedule. I forgot about the Bills. They're you know they're up there with the Packers ahead of the Cowboys as the best team the Lions play. But that's what that's life in the NFL, right? We've always talked about this, Carlos. That there's these really bad teams, Houston and and uh, you know probably Jacksonville still. And and you know to me, I think you know Carolina and Seattle probably fit in that that mix. And then you know there's these really good ones, the ones that I just mentioned. And then everyone else is in the middle. And I think the Lions are closer to the middle of the pack this year than they are at the bottom. Okay, so uh, Dave's at two and six. Carl's is in two and six. I started three and one. I'm going to say they go one and three here, that they beat Miami. They lose New England, Dallas, and Green Bay. As tempted as I am to pick them over New England because they played New England well at times, weirdly enough, even when they had Tom Brady. But let's let's say that's a loss. So I have them at, I have them at four and four now. And, uh, you know, right where uh, – kind of right where uh, yeah, they should be, right? Dave, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, yeah, we're splitting hair. Yeah, I mean, look, it sounds like a big difference, right? Two and six and four and four, but it's really not because I, I could see them beating the Dolphins. You know, I, I could see them beating Washington. I, I could see them, you know, losing to, to Miami too. So there's, you know, we're like a lot of these games are, uh, they strike me as toss up games for the most part. Okay. So the next four games here are going to tell us, uh, I mean, obviously if they start out one and seven or whatever, we'll know. Or two and six, but uh, I I think if they can somehow get through there at, at uh, four and four, or three and uh, f- or five or whatever, somewhere in that range, these next four games are really going to tell us what kind of team they have. So Carlos, you ready for this? And Dave, at Chicago, at New York, home versus Buffalo, home versus Jacksonville. What y'all got? Well, I have the Lions sweeping the Bears this year. I, I think the Bears just are not very good. So uh, give me a, a road win there. Um, I believe, look, in, I, I believe I picked the Giants to beat the Lions, and that was the one game that I sort of am regretting because um, I just don't think the Giants are very good. But then they lose to Buffalo and, and they beat Jacksonville. I mean, I just, again, Buffalo is is uh, 
you know, they're going to be the favorite in the AFC in a lot of people's eyes this year. That's going to be a really tough Thanksgiving game, but they should be able to get well against the Jacksonville Jaguars team, even without Urban Meyer. Okay, so you got them uh, two and two, two and two, which makes them four and eight. Carlos, uh, they they always struggled in Chicago, no matter how bad the Bears are and how many how much their hot seat their coaches are in hot seats or whatever. So they're going to lose a uh, new coach, new GM. Uh, they beat the Giants. Giants still are pretty bad. Uh, get crushed by the Bears or by the Bills on Thanksgiving. It's going to be embarrassing. People will be leaving at halftime. Uh, Jaguars, they will lose to the Jaguars because they'll be the Jaguars will be a little bit better this year. So, uh, and they're looking at the Lions. It's the same thing. They're playing at home, so they have a chance. It'll be close, but they'll they'll lose to the Jaguars. Okay, so that's one and three. So you got them at three and nine right now. All right, three three and nine is my man. No, no, not three and nine. What's yeah, three and is that right? Three and nine? <laughs> twelve game, twelve games. I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Three and nine. That's uh, that's that's unbelievable. All right, I'm gonna go um, two and two here. I think they, uh, I think they beat the Giants in the. I'm with Dave. You know, I think they lose to. No, Dave said they beat Chicago. I think they lose to Chicago, beat the Giants, beat the uh, Jaguars, lose to Buffalo. So two and two. So that that's a six and six for me. How about that, Carlos? It's nice and tidy. You're, you're, it's, things are looking up, Sean. They are. All right, the next four. And then we'll save the last for last. The next four, home versus Minnesota, at New York Jets, at Carolina, home versus Chicago. What y'all got? I got them going three and one. I mean, I, I think the Lions are, uh, you know, you know, they tend to split with Minnesota or these things in the division often work out that way when, when you're you know talking about sort of even teams there. So um, I, I, I could see them losing uh, against the Jets. It's a, another team like the Lions. They've got a lot of young talent sort of relying on the, the uh, you know, the, the second year bounce from, from a head coach as well. But then, you know, they're going to beat Carolina. Who knows if Matt Rule's even coaching by then. Uh, they beat Chicago. Like I said, that's uh, they're going to sweep the Bears this year. So, um, you know, I, I think this is a stretch where they can get healthy down the stretch and maybe build up some good vibes heading into 2023. Carlos? Yeah, uh, I got them. I got them beating the Vikings. Uh, we'll see where the teams are. They're both probably equally bad at this point and hurt. Uh, they lose to the Jets, at, you know, at New York. But, you know, Dave said, you know, uh, Matt Rule, Robert Sarla. I mean, they went 4-13 and last year. Who knows if he's coaching at this point. Um, they, they pulled the trigger quickly in, in New York. Um, they will lose to the Panthers. Uh, Matt Rule probably will not be coaching, but they'll find some way. Who did they lose to? Who was that guy, the – uh, the quarterback when they couldn't even score a point when uh, Matthew Stafford got Patricia fired that year, um, <laughs> whatever his name was, the, the nobody, you know, the arena league quarterback. So they'll find a way to lose in Carolina. Dave will probably DJ Walker. That. DJ, DJ Walker. Walker. Yeah, I already yeah, told you he, that's you got it. That's our your your reunion in Carolina. You got to go down there. And cover my that reunion one. to so, Carolina. Yeah. And they'll beat Chicago not. at home. I, it'll be close. Whatever. Something weird will happen. But they'll uh, they'll be imploding in Chicago. So they'll they'll win that game. So you have them at three and one there, is that right, or two and two? I have them. Oh, I'm sorry. In the pack, no, no, that's we're waiting on that one. Yeah, uh, I got them one, two and two, two and two, two and two. That's uh, unusually positive for you. <laughs> it's realistic. It's realistic, <laughs> so, man. I'm not. I'm not influenced by the people and by emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's you. You're not. You're not emotional at all. So um, five and eleven for Carlos. All right. That leaves us with the uh, the Green Bay Packers. At Lambeau Field, 
to end the regular season, um, the 17th game, uh, the NFL's greed, uh, a game that's going to, you know, keep Dave from staying home after the post-holidays and enjoying a fine meal. It's it's not fair. It's ridiculous. But in any case, what's going to happen at Green Bay? Oh, it's the Carolina one that I really have an issue with. That's a Christmas Eve game, which means I have to yeah, travel. It's, it's, uh, it, yeah. Uh, yeah. Christmas, Christmas Eve. I'm flying back. That's why you're going to cover it, Carlos. That way I can be home for, for Sean's going to cover it. He's been, um, Sean wants to do some real work for a change. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, look, who knows what happens, right? If Green Bay is not playing anyone like they did for half a game last year, the Lions win that game. I, I picked them to lose in my initial schedule predictions and had them at seven and 10, but um, that's always sort of the, the trickery with the, uh, the last game of the season is you never know you know, who's going to be playing and who's not and what teams are playing for. Um, but just on paper, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any doubting that the Green Bay Packers are the better team than the Lions right now. By the way, I had them at two and two through that last four. So, yeah, they're going to, they're going to, the Packers will be resting their starters again and the Lions will get a hollow win. And, but everybody feel really good about themselves going into the offseason. So Carlos has them at six and 11. That's, uh, all that talk, what? all that one to get what? Dave in here about, and it's one game difference. That's huge. Oh that's Lord. huge in the NFL, but it's actually, but it's a phantom win. That's the problem. They're really five and twelve. You can't be surprised by this 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 faux outrage that he has, right, Sean, over me picking him seven and ten and him going six and eleven. So. No, that's crazy. I'm gonna obviously, I'm gonna say they're gonna lose too. Um, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe Greenville should be playing for something and. Keep their guys, or even if they don't, who knows? It's it's hard to win there in January. So I have them at eight and nine. That's uh, my eight wins. Dave, you have them at uh, seven and ten. Seven and ten. Eight and nine for me. Carlos is at six and eleven. Conservative, realistic, six and eleven. Look, with the, oh so many toss-ups on the schedule. I mean, I don't think anyone, again, uh, in their right mind at least, thinks they're they're winning eleven games this year. And I, I think it'd be wrong to to look at this team and say it's a it's another three-win roster. They're they're somewhere in the middle of the pack in the NFL, and that's you know it's a step forward in year two under Dan Campbell. The the tough thing is going to be making sure next year when they have an even tougher schedule, when they play the AFC West and they play all these good teams, and expectations are a little bit higher in year three. You know, making sure that they're able to follow through. You know, we'll see what happens at the quarterback position and who's who's sort of handling that for them. Let me point. let me ask you this, Dave. Maybe even Sean too. I think he's gone to one or two practices over the last couple of years. Um, <laughs> what what record keeps Dan Campbell off the hot seat? What's the minimum number of wins he has to have to get out to? And you know, good qu- good question. Good it, question. It depends on losing streaks and this and that and whatever. You know, when they come, but but just you know. On the face of it, how many wins does he need? I don't think Dan Campbell will be in the hot seat at all this year. Not two wins. Not they internally. go two and fifteen. Two and fifteen. Well, look, I mean, people externally, you, uh, you know, maybe Sean, who knows, right? The people will be upset about that, but you know, if we're talking realistic scenarios, I just don't, I don't see Dan Campbell being on the hot seat this year. Uh, you know, they knew this was a multi-year rebuild going in. You know, Sheila Hamp gave them. Um, or, you know, recognize that, I guess, and, and has allowed them to, to build through the draft and encourage them to, to do things that way, the right way. And uh, so I think Dan and, and Brad are, are going about this and, uh, you know, with, with the security that they need. You know, obviously there's a reason that, that the Lions gave them a six-year contract uh, when they signed them. Um, I just don't see, you know, barring anything, you know, crazy 
going on off the field. Uh, you know, Dan Campbell being in any trouble this this season. I, I didn't I didn't know we had uh, Detroit Lions communications vice president Dave Burkett on the line, but we do. Uh, okay, so let's put it the other way. What what record gets? What's the the if the lowest amount of wins that puts them on the hot seat? One, two, three. Let me- if they go, well, me, go, I mean, again, define hot seat, right? You talk hot about seat is you're like, going into next season, you where you have to win early. You can't you can't face plant again. Well, look, going into next season, that's that's totally different because we're talking about year three, like year two. Yeah, like again, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't not, think anything's happening to them after this season. Like year three, like the expectations are go- no matter what they do this year. The expectations going into year three, I think, are going to be for the Lions to be, you know, a playoff contender. And and if they're not, even though they will have a tougher schedule and who knows what's what's happening at the quarterback position, right? If they have a rookie quarterback, I don't know. Maybe there's a little more leeway. But again, we we you know, having foretold this really from when they took over, like you have to understand, uh, you know, if, if you're inside that organization, that year three the expectations will be higher, and the Lions will need to compete for a playoff spot. Um, you know, in Dan Campbell's third season, for them to, um, you know, I think appease you know the the majority of the fan base and even people internally. At some point, you have to start winning ball games. But as of right now, um, I don't think you need to, uh, you know, have seven wins or something like that. Otherwise, we're talking about changes after the season. I just don't think that's a realistic scenario. Maybe not seven Wednesday, but I'm with Carlos on this. I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. But if they go two and fifteen and they are relatively healthy and they're not competitive down the stretch of the season at all. Uh, absolutely, he'll be on the hot seat. You, you you can't regress from year one if they're healthy. If they're injuries and all that, just any way circumstances, that's fine. But I'm kind of with Carlos. Two and fifteen. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, that would I, not be good. I'm trying to think of some realistic scenarios, and if they're healthy, and I just don't see them being in that. Like I don't either. But to, I don't know. But but to Carlos's question, I mean, if that were to happen, um, then yeah. But I'm with you. I don't I don't think it will happen. Well, look, Dave, uh, you know, great to come in. Great that you came in here and um, push back on that nonsense from Carlos. You know what I mean? Especially after he just predicted six wins. It's it's he just made it up. You know, it's it's like a lot of things with him. He just he just decided he wanted to be angry about. That's what he wanted to be angry about today, I guess. Right. It's, well, you know, Burkett picked them to win seven games and, and uh, you know, who can see them winning seven? Six is it. Yeah. Six the is the number. Is Take it to the six bank. Six is it's, the number. It's like it's not real anger. It's just anger designed to do whatever he thinks he's got to do in this life. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it used to be confusing, but it's not. It's sort of it's sort of predictable, it's, right? It's, it's like uh, it's Carlos. Oh, it's Carlos. Seven wins. That's ridiculous. Oh, a high school player. Oh, my God. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's the same same thing. Anyway, listen, man. I appreciate you coming in. Carlos uh, does too, right, Carlos? So he he made time during <laughs> between practices on his phone in his car. I so, think yeah. so. He's probably like a Dairy I Queen right so. now. No practices yet. We'll, we're waiting. God, we got, listen to that we'll, bitterness in his voice. We got that coming at some point, but no practices okay. yet. And yeah, hey, Sean, make sure you give him at the end of the podcast because it's uh, there's no reason we should ever draft a high school kid or a kid without college experience because it's never worked out in the NBA in the past. Yeah, what what amazes me is that the GMs don't know who they're drafting most of the times. What Carlos does, that's what I love. You know what I mean? Carlos has probably watched a ton more film on him than 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 any GM too. <laughs> Troy Weaver not, has nothing on Carlos when it comes to that uh, so film study. I, that's true. I didn't watch as much like film on T's table or anything to know that he was going to be bad. But you know, whatever. The GMs are infallible. Okay, then then you got it from somebody else in the NBA who's really down on Shade and Sharp, right? Another GM another scout who was like, Carlos, put this out there, right? 
No, actually, actually, actually we had a, we we have another podcast that you never listened to called Pistons Pulse, Dave, and uh, they had a really good scout, um, uh, Mark Stamen, I believe his name is, and he was on there. He was talking to uh, to Bryce Simon and Omari Sankofa the second, who you don't even know who he is. He's our Pistons writer, um, but they were talking <laughs> I tried about to get all the different draft pick. Go I bet. Oh, he'll yeah, he'll he'll post you up. He'll he'll cross you over. Um, but yeah, they had a really good. They, he was not super happy with uh, Shaden Sharp and, uh, you know, various reasons that I listed. And uh, I, I just don't I don't like it. I don't like a guy sitting out that long. And I think he also rose through the rankings really quickly. Like, it's not like he was like this LeBron who was like, you know, when he was 12, he was already tracking to be this amazing number one pick, you know? Yeah. Well, there's another thing. When when players sit out like Panay Sewell and Jamar Chase – just never trust them when they miss that year. That's another. No, another no, 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 no. Yeah. There, there are definitely questions. We don't want to get into this because we need to let you go. We need to take a break real quickly, though. There are definitely questions about. Sharks, I agree. Uh, I'm just giving Carlos hassle now. But. I know the way he work, the way he works, and all that. His natural talent level is is not in question at all. He's probably the he he may be the best combination of athlete and shooter in this draft, right? So there's that, but it's, there's so much other stuff with him. In any case, Dave, thanks again for coming. Uh, you're welcome anytime. Uh, next time, hopefully, Carlos will behave and uh, come back Come back whenever you can. All right, fellas. We'll talk to you guys. All right. Take care. Thanks, we Dave. will uh, be right. Yeah, thank you, Carlos. Thanks a lot. We'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlos. My name is Kerry Jr. The second. I'm a podcast producer and reporter with the Detroit Free Press. And now the host of Freep's new weekly podcast, On the Line. Our job is to understand the issues and the people that the issues affect in our state and region and tell the news. I want Detroiters, I want Michiganders, I want Metro Detroiters to hear themselves and maybe get a sense of peace in this podcast. Maybe not in the topics we're covering, but in the sense that we're the Detroit Free Press. And you can come here to know what's happening and trust that we're going to tell the truth, give you the facts and do it authentically. We're going to give you the voices that are in those areas, whether it be in Owasso, whether it be in Petoskey, whether it be in Birmingham, Warren, Gross Point, Southwest Detroit. You know, we're going to give you what it sounds like to be there. So every Friday in your feed, wherever you get your podcast, when you press play, we want this podcast to sound like home. We want it to sound like Michigan. We want it to sound like Detroit. I think that's all I got. So let the journey begin. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with uh, Carlos and occasionally uh, me, Sean Windsor. I don't mind living in Carlos's shadow. It's a safe place to be. It's comforting, to be honest with you. And I think I'm going to I think I'm going to stay there for a while, especially with the the next topic here, uh, baseball, which I know very little about. I do know, however, enough to know that Evan Petzold, who's in the studio, the so-called studio with us here, uh, our fabulous young. Uh, I don't know what is, would you call that a mane, Carlos? That he's wearing on his head that drops oh, down to his shoulders. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's a rock star. I mean Hollywood look. It is. Uh, it yeah. is. We're gonna lose him to like the LA Times or something with that kind of look. No, it, no, no, for sure. We're not. We're not gonna. We're not gonna keep him long. I hope uh, Peter and Kirk are, and and Anjanette are not listening to this. <laughs> I'm sure they never do. But uh, but in any case, no. Evan Petzold who covers the Tiger Force. Uh, Evan, thanks for joining us. What the heck is going on? The Tigers are what f- five won five of their last seven, which means they won two in a row. Uh, Carlos and I are sort of shocked at that. Can you explain that? 
Yeah, well, first off, thanks for the love for the hair. Um, I appreciate that. A lot of work goes into it. Um, <laughs> you know, some days more than others. But hey, look, I mean, yeah, Tigers have won five of seven. Um, they're ten and seven in their past seventeen, um, but they're also nineteen and thirty this season. Yeah, it's been a mess. I mean, it's been it's it's been it's been a train wreck, and a lot of that you know kind of starts and ends with the offense, which has been horrible. But um, you know, kind of just a side piece to that is is all the injuries, and they've been able to manage those and maneuver, you know, those injuries within the starting rotation. Um, but it's just, it comes down to the offense. Like I think as much as sometimes people want to sit here and blame injuries and, Oh, look, like we don't have Casey Mize or we don't have Matt Manning and um, Eduardo Rodriguez is hurt. And, you know, the list goes on and on when you talk about starting pitchers, it's like, well, the offense still isn't performing, you know, up to expectations. Javier Baez isn't performing. Robbie Grossman isn't performing. Um, Jamer Candelario isn't performing only just recently. Jonathan Scope has started to perform, um, a, a little bit better. And it's kind of been Miguel Cabrera carrying the offense, which when you look at him, he's a 39 year old designated hitter. Who's a below average designated hitter. Um, you know, kind of at, at best. And, um, and he's the guy that's carrying your team. Um, so it's, it's been a mess when it comes to the offense. That's been the biggest problem. Bullpen's been great. Starting pitching has been, um, actually pretty solid considering all the injuries, it's just, it's, it's not what anybody expected. I mean, you, you we were in spring training and, and Al Avila and AJ Hinch and um, even Chris Illich, they talked about, you know, making the playoffs this year. And that was an expectation. And that was a goal. And I think that, you know, even though this was a team that I didn't predict to make the playoffs and I know others didn't predict to make the playoffs, um, you know, internally they were talking about playoffs. And I feel like that's the bar that they need to be held to this year. There isn't like a, oh, well, it's just another year of rebuilding. Like, no, like the rebuild is over. Like the rebuild is over. You're supposed to start winning now. Um, and that hasn't happened yet. And that's been a problem. It's a deep hole they dug themselves in early. So it's going to take them a while to dig out of it if, if they're even going to be able to get out of it um, and get back to being a 500 team. But yeah, when you dig a hole so deep so early in the season, um, there's just a lot of negative energy kind of around your team um, for, for quite a while because it does take a long time to come out of that hole. Yeah, and you know, so so... What? How is the team handling it? I mean, you know, AJ Hinch says almost nothing, and he doesn't even want to talk about yesterday's game, let alone you know, you know what happened the week before, and we're just looking ahead and all that. But it, but in the clubhouse, I mean, how are the guys? Is it nobody wants to talk about it? Are they? Uh, how are they handling all that disappointment? Well, it's pretty empty in there these days. Yeah, um, it, it, it has <laughs> they're all they're all in the weight room, right? They're on the weight room or in the in the dining area eating their food or. <laughs> Um, I don't know. There's different hiding spots and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, there's a few guys. Shout out to Jacob Barnes, a, a right-handed reliever who's always there at his seat, ready to go every day. He's always willing to talk. So if you need to talk to Jacob Barnes about anything, um, you know, I, I can tell you where to find him and when to find him. But but no, I mean, besides that, I mean, these guys aren't just sitting at their chairs ready to talk about, you know, all their problems. Um, and so it's been difficult in that sense. I will say, though, I mean, as you stick around um, for the 50 minutes that the clubhouse is open or, or whatever it is. I mean, you're going to see guys trickle in um, time to time. Some might, you know, we have, I haven't been able to talk to Harold Castro. I'm trying to trying to get a hold of him because he's been hitting some home runs lately and he's been um, kind of dodging me a little bit. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's just kind of the general vibe. Like, you know, guys are obviously in and out of there and, and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just the situation where I feel like a lot of these guys know that they're scuffling and a lot of these guys are trying to get it turned around. But like, there's only so much you can do, right? I mean, you, it's not like an overnight thing where all of a sudden you're going to wake up one day and you're just going to start raking again. Um, I, I don't know how these guys are feeling internally. I don't know how I don't want to speak for the whole group um, or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, it's a struggle. You look at Jonathan Scope, a guy who 
um, I just talked to and he's, you know, three weeks ago, he was hitting the ball really hard and he was hitting the ball into, um, into defenders, essentially. I mean, it was, it was line drives right to him. And now all of a sudden he made a little bit of change. He made a little bit of a change, dropped his hands, um, in his pre-pitch setup. And that's kind of worked wonders for him. He's been able to hit the ball for more power. He has doubles. Um, he's been able to hit homers. Um, and those are all good things. And just kind of talking to him is, is he's like the one that's probably the most even keel through all of this. I mean, he's been able to stay as calm and cool and collective. And if you want to talk to him, you go ahead. He's there. Um, but but some guys just aren't really interested in talking a ton about their struggles. Robbie Grossman, um, for one, tried to catch up with him on a day where he was benched in Minnesota. And he didn't really want to say much. He just kind of shrugged it off and pushed it to the side. And so I think there is some tension. I think there is a situation where a lot of these guys are trying to maybe do too much at certain times. Um, because look, I mean, a guy like Robbie Grossman, he had a 23 homers last year, 20 stolen bases. It was a career year. He still hasn't hit home run yet this season. And now he's on the injured list, um, you know, with a, with a neck injury. And so it, it's kind of hard to, to describe and try hard to explain what that vibe is like. But I think a lot of these guys know that they're in trouble. And while there is a lot of games to be played, like individual performances need to pick up um, in order for the team to to be successful and for the team to win games. And so I think they're starting to starting to be some of that pressure as kind of reality is sitting in. Hey, we're in June and it's not looking too hot. Things got to turn around quick. Well, Evan, I think uh, it, it, winning five of seven and 10 of 17 is, especially the 10 of 17, is no small thing com- considering how they started, right? That's not to say that they're going to keep doing that. But there are a couple things, you, you, or a couple things that, that are interesting at least. And you, you mentioned um, the, the guys who are starting to hit. Spencer Torkelson, just the last few days, again, it's just a few days, has started to hit a little bit. And you and I were talking to him uh, not that long ago, right, about – about um, the the pressures he was feeling or not, and and that sort of thing, and he mentioned, uh, I don't know, and I'm sure you, I'm sure you picked up on this, but he mentioned sort of very casually that it was a matter of time, and the way he said it was a matter of time, like he knew he was close to figuring something out, and then l- literally the next three or four days he's starting to hit, you know, so so you you take that, the idea that Riley Green's going to be here at some point, and I would imagine he might struggle at first too. I mean, most of these guys do that make this leap, and then he can figure it out. The young guys, along with uh, some of the vets, start figuring it out. Um, also, a couple of more Candel- Candelario in particular. W- w- what do you think? Can they can they ride this kind of seven out of every ten, six out of every ten? By, by the way, by the way, Evan, can you explain to Sean that they play 162 games and like 200 plate appearances? You know, that's not gonna. Spencer Torkelson has not figured it out, even though he's making adjustments, or whatever. And I didn't say he'd figured it out. I said he's start. I didn't say that. He said he's starting to figure it out. It's not a couple of hits. Oh. He's hitting three in, in in three straight days. I know three that's straight a, days. nothing of a sample size. That compared to where he was hitting, he hadn't hit at all. It's just so all you want to write a column that Spencer Torkelson's hot. That's what you're. That's what you're looking for. No, I don't want to say he's hot at all. He's a very talented player who struggled, and for whatever reason, the last few days. Has hit like he has not hit since he's been a, been been a tiger, right? I mean, been up. How about that? What do you think, Evan? Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be Team Carlos on this one. Um, just, yeah, I got you, Carlos. Um, no, no. Like, look, I, I think Spencer Torkelson has been saying that he's been close to figuring it out for um, you know five six weeks now. Honestly, I mean, it's been been almost the whole season that he's saying that he's, he's a positive guy. Well, right, right. But but no. But it is encour- But it is encouraging to see him hit the ball hard. Um, and, and, and put it into some gaps where he's able to leg out some doubles and, um, and actually start to produce offensively. Um, so there, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that like what he's done the past three games isn't good. I mean, I think what he's done the last three game games is great. I think that's, 
that's exactly what you want um, from your number one overall pick in, in 2020. But also, like, this is a 1-1. Like, he needs to be doing this consistently. Like, this needs to now grow into, okay, four games and five games and six games and, like, let that build. And it needs to build. And I feel like this is a really good opportunity for him, like you were saying, Sean, to have this launch pad. Um, and I think that that's, that's kind of what the next step is for him. It's like, okay, we've seen you put together back-to-back three-hit games for the first time in your career. Um, can, can you do it again? You know, can you, can you give us more of that? And I think that's what the Tigers are kind of waiting to see with him. Um, and, I, and I do think for him, he, he's always kind of struggled with being that 1-1 and having to live up to expectations. And um, you know, he talked to me in spring training about that, that you know, even you know, last year, you know, the 2021 spring training, um, when it was just absolutely miserable for him, he said he put a lot of pressure on himself, and I think he, he kind of naturally does that, and then it eventually will settle in. We saw that um, at every stop last year in the minor leagues when he started out in High West Michigan. It was it was really bad, really early. It was really so, bad. Wait a second, it was bad are you sure double. you're on Team Carlos? Wait, well, Evan, are you well, sure you're look, on Team Carlos? I, I'm on, because what you're saying right there no, does no, not no. sound like it. I'm on Team Carlos in the sense of, hey, look, it's been three days, it's been three games. Let's pump the brakes. But I'm on Team Sean when it comes to, hey, this is an opportunity for him to kind of you know, kind of take off like a rocket ship, right? I mean, we saw it at every level. So Yeah, I don't know if he will or not. All I'm right, saying right. is what he did the last three games is not is different than what he's done in the first month and a half or two. Yeah, he hit. Right? He's, he, he hit in the last three games. Which he is, has not looked like this at all. No. Who knows if he'll keep it up, but it looked different. No, I no, I, and I agree. And I can say that, that that's a good sign. Um, but is that the end-all, be-all for him? Is that is this his arrival or, or however you want to put it, like Who I don't knows? think so. Right, right. We don't know. We don't know. And he's got to go out there and prove it. And that's kind of my point. Where, wait, wait, wait. Carlos knows. Sorry about that, Evan. I, forgive me. Carlos knows. He knows everything. But go ahead. No, I, th- I think yeah. I think this is just a situation where okay, like now you've done some things the last three games, but like prove that you can continue to do this. And I think this that's kind of the next test for him. Um, and if he falls flat on his face and you know gets into another slump, then we're kind of right back where we started. And then no one really cares about these three games. It's true. The Riley game, real quickly before Carlos gets to you, the, the Riley Green aspect of this? Oh, it's huge. What do you? It's huge. What do you think? It's huge. I think Riley Green is going to be a great player at this level. I, I Before the season started, um, Riley Green was already injured, and I knew he was going to be out until June. And we were. I think we were all asked the question, is, is who has a better chance to uh, win AL Rookie of the Year, and I picked Riley Green, even though Riley Green wasn't going to be healthy all season, and I knew that Spencer Torkelson was going to, you know, be on the opening day roster and, and start healthy. Right, we all knew that at that point. Um, I, I think Riley Green has a chance to be a really, really good player. I think he has a really good chance to be an impact player immediately. I'm not going to say that he's the savior of the Tigers because we need to get to Javier Baez and talk about him um, because that's the guy that was, you know, signed here to really make this whole thing go. So I don't want to put pressure on Riley Green that's unnecessary because I don't think that he needs to be some savior, but I do think he has a really good chance of being a really good player right out of the gate. That doesn't mean that he's going to go four for four in his first game. He, he could easily go over four in, in three, straight, three, three straight games, but he's a guy that can do so much for you. He's going to play center field. He's going to play a good center field. Um, he's going to be able to do some things on the bases. Obviously, the hit tool, we all know about it. He's going to strike out a lot, which is going to be frustrating. We'll see what that ends up becoming as he gets more comfortable. I think we could, could see a lot of strikeouts early. But he's a guy that he's going to get his doubles. He's going to get his triples. He's going to get his home runs. Um, he's a guy that you know Torkelson loves playing with. I'll be interested to see how much that changes, um, what Torkelson is doing. Even since Cody Clemens got called up, Tork was joking. He was like, hey, I told Cody, I said, I hit better when you're on uh, when you're on my team because they were obviously together in, uh, in AAA. And he mentioned it again. He said, hey, you know, you and Riley. He, he said that one time too. And so 
who knows, maybe Riley Green comes up and that kind of sparks some things for uh, for Torkelson. But yeah, I, I think Riley Green is an impact player. I think Miguel Cabrera said it best when he said that Riley Green was the best hitter on the spring training roster. That was true. Um, I mean, the guy just raked all spring. He did everything that he needed to do. He passed every test. There was all the kinds of pressure on him to perform, and he never once like wavered. I, I think he's going to be a really good ball player. I think he can be a huge addition to this team, but he's not the answer. There, no, no one player is the answer when Javier Baez is hitting like 200. Like that's not what one guy, one young 21 year old isn't going to solve the problem. Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree with that. I'm on Team Evan now, so um, yeah, that's uh. You, you need that, and you know, I, I agreed with – I thought Riley Green was going to be the the better player this year. Um, you know, he just does – he does everything, right? He, you know, he, he steals bases. He hits, you know, into the gaps. He hits for power and all that. Great fielder. Um, you know, and I, I just wonder at this point, you know, are they going to take their time calling him up? There's really no maybe rush right now to bring him up. I don't know where he is on the injury front. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, – that would be that would be interesting when he comes up with Torkelson. I also kind of wondered a little bit if they both came up at the same time, which they were expected to both, you know, be on the opening day roster. Like if Riley Green had taken off, like even though he and Torkelson are friends and roommates and all that, like how hard is it to watch your friend, you know, kind of skyrocket and you're struggling, you're scuffling a little bit, um, you know? So I hope that Torkelson. I and I like Torkelson. I like his personality. He's a fun guy to talk to. So it would for for our purposes, Sean, for the media, it would totally be a great thing if Torkelson like finds his rhythm and starts hitting and gets a lot more confidence. Uh, he'll be one of the clubhouse stars. Um, and there aren't a lot of people in there right now for poor Evan. So we we need those people. Yeah. No. No. Well. No doubt. I mean, I think too. If you look at where Riley's at, I mean, he's in AAA. He's obviously rehabbing back. He had two games in low a lakeland and then they quickly moved him up to triple a they don't want to waste their time there um in terms of when he gets back to the big leagues i mean two dates kind of jump out to me in terms of what's possible um i, I think you know i don't, I don't know I, I mean i think june 3rd um which is coming up just in, in a couple days in new york i think that makes sense as a possible um possible debut i think um also june 10th coming back home and, and taking on the blue jays um, at Comerica Park at the start of that series. I think that makes sense too. I mean, I don't really know if they have time to really rush him. I, I mean, I mean to, to wait, excuse me. I think, and I don't know if they need to rush him, um, but again, like they quickly moved him up to AAA because he's ready. Um, he, he looks good. He's able to pass all of his tests. He's healthy. He's a healthy baseball player. Um, and now it comes down to getting timing back and stuff like that, which is why I feel like, you know, maybe June 3rd is too soon um, to kick him off and, and bring him on the road trip. But um, June 10th looks pretty darn good in terms of if you want him to get, you know, an extra week of bats in Toledo, but you don't really have time to wait. If you, if you, if you think he's going to be one of your better players this season, um, in the way that you're playing right now, if you're the Tigers, it's like, okay, don't we want to field our best team? Don't we want to have our best chance of winning? Um, like why not make it happen? So obviously I don't know exactly when they're going to bring him up. I don't have the date yet, um, or, or anything like that, but those are the two dates uh, June 3rd and June 10th that kind of jump out to me as possibilities and um, again like why wait like what's the point if he's ready like get him up here and maybe he struggles right away but like again so did Torkelson you know so so are all these other guys it's like why, why not just let it rip how how get the struggles get the struggles out of the way right sorry well how, I, you know you're saying Evan that there's no one guy who's going to make 
all the difference, but there's going to be a ton of pressure on Riley. I mean, it's he's going to be seen as the Lone Ranger. You know, it's like, oh, Riley's here. We've been waiting. The anticipation has been there forever, and he's going to be expected, like, I mean, unfairly probably by fans, but, like, you need to produce. Like, we've been waiting on this guy forever, you know, and with everybody else struggling. I think when I think when the team's okay, you know, when it's, you know, you have some players producing whatever, but when everybody's struggling pretty much, except for Scope right now, I mean, it, you know, it's there's going to be a lot of added pressure on him that necessarily he wouldn't have had if he'd made the opening day roster healthy. Um, that, I... That's tough, man. And I agree with you. He's a healthy guy. You know, they need to win some games. They're, the window's closing. They need to do something quickly. But, man, can you imagine? I mean, that's going to be tough on him. So you think they should just – I mean, but then again, the flip side of it is what? You just shield him from that until maybe other folks start hitting? Like, what if that never happens? I mean, do you just never call him up or do you call him up when it's too – I think I think that you get stuck in that situation where it's like if you're going to really put that – and I understand. You're right. Like, there is going to be unfair pressure on Riley Green when he's called up, and I don't think they're going to wait – um, a, a very long time to do it, um, but but whenever it does happen, sure there will be unfair pressure. But I think you have to then look at Javier Baez hitting 179 through 40 games and put just as much pressure, if not more, on him. Um, and if the fans are going to put that on Riley Green and not talk about Javier Baez, then I think that's where the problem really is. And I hope that I, I would hope that Riley Green is able to block that out. I know it's going to be tough. Um, I know that guys always say they don't look at social media, but they see it. They know what's going on. They're not blind to that. They're not stupid. Um, they, they get it. But I think for the fans, like if you're going to put that much pressure on Riley Green, then you need to start putting that much pressure on Javier Baez. You know, I wonder, like, where would he bet? Where would he bet in the order? I mean, he needs a little protection. I mean, and Austin Meadows is not, we don't know where he is, right? I mean, he, he's going to start a rehab assignment in Toledo, um, you know, coming up. So he, he should be, yeah, so he should be back um, at some point during the road trip. Um, not sure if, again, not sure if that's going to be you know, June 3rd when they take off and they go to New York, or if that's going to be maybe in Pittsburgh um, or at some point kind of in between. But they're on the road from June 3rd to June 8th. And at some point, the Tigers are expecting to get him back um, back in there. So that's the, that's another bat that's going to be huge for them to, to get back in the mix. But in terms of where does Green bat, it seems like that was kind of what you were curious about. I, I'm not sure where he bats. I think um, they Six don't, or seven probably, right? I, I, but eventually well, yeah, three. Yeah, no, I think to start, I think kind of the same way that they, you know, went with Torkelson, it was, all right, let's put him down low. And if performance, you know, indicates that he needs to be moved up, we're going to move him up. Um, Torkelson early on when he hit a couple home runs, they moved him up. Um, now since they moved him back down and now, you know, just recently they've kind of moved him back up to that six and five spot. Um, but yeah, no, I think Riley Green probably starts in the seven or eight spot. And um, if he works his way up, he works his way up. Um, I mean, look, Will, Willie Castro hit leadoff for the Tigers yesterday. Um, Robbie Grossman has been hitting leadoff before he got injured, and he's not doing anything. Is it really like that far out there to think that if Riley Green produces, he could be a leadoff hitter for this team? I mean, is is right? I mean, I, I would take Riley Green over Willie Castro all day. Um, the swing and miss is, is worse on Willie's side uh, of things, and it probably will be on Riley's side. Granted, Riley will swing and miss quite a bit. He's going to strike out. That's going to be a little bit of an issue. But again, if you're hitting Willie Castro leadoff. I take Riley Green lead off all day. So, yeah, I think if he, I think if he hits, he can move up in the top of the order pretty quick if, if he produces. They need, they need bats no. up there. No, for sure. And the thing about AJ Hinch that's great is that he's not going to be beholden to any kind of traditional. Uh, here, here's where this guy slots in here, right? He will try anything. No, he wants to win. And Whatever's going to get yeah, him win. for sure. He he will try anything. It's great about him. What's not great about you and Carlos is that you're talking about unfair pressure. 
So I'm on Team Sean here. I can't believe you're making <laughs> me talk in the third person. Unbelievable. Unfair pressure. Look, the fans are a lot more sophisticated than that. They do not expect Riley Green to come up and save this team right now. They don't. They want to see him hit, so he'll have that kind of pressure from him. But that's just normal pressure. It's not unfair pressure. And he will put pressure on himself more than anybody else will, right? So so there won't be there the won't be any free press headlines about Riley Green every day. There will not be just but that's oh, not no book. Uh, no, he's gonna item. he's gonna get written about, but he's gonna get written about. But everybody else is too. I don't know that that's unfair. That's part that's of the part deal. of the pressure though. Is when Sean Windsor when Sean Windsor finally shows up to a game at Comerica Park, he's gonna write about Riley Green. He's gonna be, it's that's what your columns. I don't go to the games. I I don't go to the games. I go to the pre games, as Evan will tell you, and go to the dugout because that's where it matters. You go to the buffet that's where you go no there's no buffet there we, we look we don't want to get into that we talk about food a lot on this podcast but we don't want to talk about the the buffet at evan hey evan look uh really really great to have you here today thanks for coming on hopefully uh we can get you on more this summer because maybe the tigers are going to start to get at least interesting at some point i mean you know they're interesting at first with the losing but that only lasts so long so who knows maybe maybe you're right you keep talking about the magic number they need to get to who knows i don't know Hey, you know what? Let's have a full segment on Riley Green. How about that? <laughs> yeah. No pressure. Yeah, no, we will. When, right. when, he, gets, when he gets back and uh, they got the young guys, uh, yeah, let's, let's get you back and we can talk about it. But uh, you're welcome anytime. Thanks for making time. Carlos, uh, as I said to Dave Burkett earlier, uh, I want to apologize for Carlos, even though you seem to be on his team more than mine today. That, 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 that stings a little bit. That kind of hurts the feelings. But that's okay. That's okay. Maybe next time. It's okay. Love you All right, both. man. Yeah, yeah, we love you back, bud. Keep up the great, great work. Check out Evan Petzold at Freep.com uh, or wherever he is on social media. I'm not on social media so much. Maybe Carl's I think his hair has its own Instagram, so should check that oh, out. Oh, does it? Oh, oh. I'm going to get on that. I, I like that. I, I like that. Well, listen, thanks again, bud, and uh, we will talk to you soon, and Carlos and I will be right back. Hello, I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game, free beat writer Chris Slaurie and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch, as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom have spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game on the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartans Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with uh, Carlos and Sean. we got to get Carlos out of here. So he's going to give you a very quick, quick, my favorite thing. Um, and then I will give an even quicker, my favorite thing. How about that, Carlos? By the way, by the way, those were uh, a couple of great conversations with Dave. And uh, that was fun. Going through, this, going through the schedule and then with Evan, yeah. Yeah, they were great. We, we, we enjoy having them on. We're going to hopefully have them on if, if we can come up with the uh, – the right amount of honorarium that Dave Burkett requires to be paid to come on our show. Well, yeah, we'll have them on more often. So, okay. That's great. All right. What's your favorite thing, my man? My favorite thing, Sean, this has been almost 40 years in the making and it finally happened. 
So I want to talk to you uh, about revving up your engine. About shaving? I want to have you listen to your howl and roar. The metal under tension begging you to touch and go. I want to talk to you, Sean, about highway to the danger zone. Ride into the danger zone, Sean. Because yes, Top Gun Maverick finally came out. It finally came out, and you don't understand, Teenage Carlos loved that movie. I've probably seen it, I don't know, 30 times in my life. It's one of those things that's on TNT or whatever, 20 times on the weekend, and I probably like watch it twice. So I've always loved it. And it was such, it was it was just a feel-good, Tom Cruise, the Tom Cruisiest movie you can watch. And I don't even like the Mission Impossible stuff, but it was such a blast and this is the first movie I've seen in the theater since the pandemic. Um, so it was it was a really great theater experience. And by the way, my wife, a couple of years ago, for my birthday, surprised me. This is before the pandemic with uh, tickets to see the original Top Gun in the theater. And I'd forgotten how what a difference that movie makes, like when you see it on the big screen, but plus the sound, the the, the fighter jet engines roaring and shaking in your seat. And uh, I know you. I know you're a fan of aviation, Sean. Military aviation. So uh, I highly recommend watching it. Really good movie. Uh, so almost 40 years later, I finally, uh, I finally quenched the thirst, Sean. Carlos, I'm not sure where to start. Well, let me let me start by saying this. <laughs> let me start by saying this. The time you told me you had to be out of here, we have a few minutes, right? We're we're, we're not up to yet. So let's let's talk about this for a little bit. I because. Um, I have a lot. I have a lot of thoughts about this, and I, I could get to my favorite thing. Let me just say my favorite thing. Let me get that out of the way. Uh, I, I could say it was uh, the French Open match between uh, Rafa Nadal and, and Novak Djokovic, and just the, the idea, the age these guys are at, and the four hours of tennis they went on and played at, at the French Open earlier this week, and, and the, the, the fighting, the relentless is not giving up. It's just everything you love about sports. But I'm not going to say that. I could say, um, you know having my boys help me paint uh, an outdoor pergola fighting through the heat and the sun over the weekend and just the way they're sticking with it and you know, the older they get and the, the fortitude they show more and more, it's just, uh, you know, like we did when we were that age, kind of trying to figure it out. That was amazing. I but know no, I hated it, doing that kind of stuff. Sorry. Yeah, no. And, and, and yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's not fun, but, uh, but just finding a way to grit through that. It's, it's rewarding. And then you see, so that's great, but I'm, I'm going to go with you. Um, I, I saw the, the Maverick two, and I saw. Oh, you with, saw it? Good. Yeah, yeah, and I and I saw it with one son. The other son uh, dissed me and went with his girlfriend and her father. <laughs> so he chose his. He it chose his. You know, I don't know potential father in law. I shouldn't even say that. It'll probably kill me for saying that. I don't know, but <laughs> let's just say his girlfriend's father. So he chose that over me. I, you know, I, I, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm glad he did that. I'm glad he went and did that. And then I got a text from my brother, um, who lives in the area. He's a veterinarian in the area, and he said similar things to you it's he said it's the most funny to have the movie in years and i think they're um i i think this is a common experience uh all over the country right now you know it set records for tom cruise for opening weekends et cetera, et cetera. but let's just talk about this for a minute uh all right now that the favorite things are out of the way i first of all the the original movie is not very good at all it's it's got it's amazing uh, it's cheesy. The, the 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 music is whatever. But the but the part about the, the 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 first part that doesn't hold up is there's a bit of toxic masculinity in it. The idea that Kelly McGillis, who's a, a nuclear uh, physicist or whatever, that she's going to be interested in time that just wouldn't play today. It wouldn't make any sense. Not only that, the 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 way that the cockiness and the arrogance in the first one is 
is of that time, and that's fine, I guess, in a way in the eighties. But it's the the, the different. I, I'm trying to think of a movie that was originally not good at all, just a a, a nationalistic kind of flag waving. There's nothing wrong with waving a flag. I got a flag flying in my house all weekend, but flag waving kind of nonsense that turned into an incredible sequel 30 years later. I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like Wait, it. Wait, which movie is better, do you think? Oh, this one by far. Oh, the, my God. This one, this one, you know, no, it's, 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 come on, man. The, the first one is cheesy in, 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 um, yeah, it's. How it's, is it it's, cheesy? It's, it's a little, it's a little unsettling. Tom Cruise walks into the woman's bathroom, chasing. I mean, there's just, there are too many. Kelly, it, it, it's right. I mean, it's ridiculous. So the many whole, iconic. You've lost that living. It's not iconic. Oh. It's, you, you misremember it because you're putting it at a time. I mean, I watched it. I tried to watch it not that long ago, actually, just after I saw the the. the this one though, this new one has. First of all, it has quiet in it. It has Tom Cruise who's almost sixty. It's almost like a completely different character, but he's matured, right? And and there's there's depth, there's layers to it. There's there's actual conversation in a way. The 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 scene with Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise is is poignant, almost beautiful in a way, right? And you might get a tear in your eye. And then on top of all of that, Carlos, Tom Cruise as a producer and the producers of the movie went out and found actors, a group of actors who were not afraid to fly, and they started them out in Cessnas and little 172s, and then worked them up the aerobatic prop planes, and then from there, jets, and then eventually into f 18 So they did this over three months so they could learn to pull Gs on their body. I grew up in the Air Force. My stepdad was a fighter pilot, so I've been around this all my life. The idea that those actors did that so they could be in the f 15 so then they, the, the, the movie makers could then build cameras and design cameras to be in those cockpits, that's what makes this movie, right? The aerial well, I- footage is unreal it no is CGI. And I, think, I think you're i think you're misremembering uh Tom i saw Gunn it last week out. no 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 the original because if you go back to 1986 the reason this movie was so groundbreaking we'd never seen that before we'd never seen that kind of aerial footage um we never seen every time you used to watch you know whatever it was clint eastwood and firefox or whatever in the early 80s or before that even Guys are just sitting in the cockpit, and you could tell it's a fake background, and just you know, all right, you know, guy, whatever, soldier. No, guy, some of that footage was great. The carrier was, footage, and they, right? these guys were, yeah, and they were they were shaking in their. It really gave you this sensation of what it was to fly. They really ca- captured that danger and that excitement and the velocity and everything, um, and then the tragedy. And the, the, though I will say this, this group of actors, they disappointed me a little bit. The, the dialogue was not as sharp. And they were not as cocky as they should have been. In the original, no, they're, but they're no, the no, they're not so like that. Cocky. I have those people in my family. They're not like that now. They were oh, like that then. I don't know about that now. Society has changed for the better. That's why you no. know, right? It has. Yeah, but I don't. I don't care. I want to. I want to see cockiness in movies. And fine. Che- well, okay, fine. Go, bigger than life. Go to a bar and chase a woman into a restaurant right now, or a restroom, or her, and see what happens. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about That's you know, the whole though. thing with the pilots fighting with each other. They tried to recreate it a little bit, the rivalry, but it just wasn't the same as they had it. You know, well, it shouldn't have been the same. Iceman and it shouldn't have been the same. We've changed. We've grown up a little bit. You know, we're a little bit more mature. This movie's a lot more mature. And and I'm with you on the fighting, on the the flying early. Although even Tom Cruise, I read an interview, didn't want you know, looking back at that flying. It's rudimentary compared to what we have now. But what they just accomplished. 
Carlos, the way they shot this movie. I mean, it's just, it's, an, it's, it's incredible, right? I mean, he's known for doing his own stunts, but the idea that they figured out how to put all those people in those planes and pull those Gs and have that be real, it's just, it's mesmer, it's breathtaking. And you watch it in a big, I'm with you, you watch it in a big theater. And then, yeah, and then you, you put in the quiet with it, the Val Kilmer, Ed Harris having a couple scenes, John Hamm was great. You know, the, 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 the crew, the pilots, they reflect our society a lot more. It's just, um, yeah, we went from Ronald Reagan, whatever else you say in those times to now. And, uh, and the movies reflect that anyway, that's my two cents. That's great. We're, you're on team Carlos. I like it. Yeah, no, no, no. It's uh it's a, it's a fabulous movie for sure. All right, man, listen, we got to get you out of here. Uh, I'm not sure what it is you're going to do. You're going to go get a hoagie or something, maybe a tuna salad sandwich. I'm taking a nap, but go ahead. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, let's my man. Let's thank Yeah, let's thank Anjanette uh, Delgado. Have we mentioned her today? No. No. Okay. Forgive us, please, for we have sinned. Let's thank Andrew Hammond, who makes this possible, (laughs) who's not talked today, so I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, Let's thank uh, Kirk Crawford, the sports editor. Let's thank Peter Badia, the editor of the newspaper. uh, The newspaper in question, of course, is the Detroit Free Press. And we also want to thank you for spending time, giving us your time, and uh, and, uh, checking us out here a little bit while we... We prattle on and ramble on. We want to uh, tell you, again, as we always tell you, that you can find us wherever you find your favorite podcast, Spotify, Apple. And when you get there, give us a rating. Give us a shout. Tell us what you think. Tell Carlos how great he is and how awful I am. That's fine. That's totally cool. Carlos does that every day. I'm used to it. In any case, uh, we will be back next week with more fabulousness. And uh, we will talk to you then.